right, take your Bibles this morning and turn to Ephesians chapter 6, <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse number 10. We're going to continue our series this morning on spiritual warfare, and what I'm hoping to see this morning is uh, take the truth that we find as we talk about the readiness given by the gospel of peace, and then just make specific applications uh, to, to mothers this morning. So this is not a text primarily about mothers, but it is a text that speaks to mothers. And so we want to, in application, uh, point in that direction. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all, your circum in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith which is, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints. So we've been reviewing each week as we kind of dive back into this text. I want to do that again, hopefully quickly this morning, just to remind us what the point of this text is. And the point is this, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, you are necessarily involved in a battle. You are in a war. The Christian life is, is warfare. We see that we are... Uh, in a, a battle, this is not a flesh and blood kind of battle. Christians do not fight with swords and guns and politics. We fight a spiritual enemy. This spiritual enemy is devil, is the devil in verse 11, and then his host of evil forces which are in heavenly places. And we, as a result of this, must be able to stand against his schemes. We've seen that Satan has targeted strikes against us. He has plans or schemes uh, with which he comes against us personally and we must be able to stand in order to be able to stand against the schemes of the devil we must be in verse number 10 strong in the Lord it's like we talked about if you were in Sunday school which I would encourage you to be in Sunday school this morning Gideon Gideon was a weak weak man he had little faith and he wasn't anything great in terms of physical presence uh, and, and yet God used him, and the, what God said to Gideon was, I will be with you. You see, as, as believers, our strength is never in, in our own innate power. Our strength comes from the Lord. Verse number 10, be strong in the Lord. If we're going to stand against the schemes of Satan in our life, we have to stand in the strength of the Lord. In particular, 
the way that we stand in the strength of the Lord is by putting on this armor that he has given to us. Now, this is an analogy that Paul uses. Paul, when he wrote the book of Ephesians, was imprisoned. He had been imprisoned in, in different points in his life. He was well familiar with what a Roman soldier looked like. Often he would have been chained to a Roman soldier. Perhaps as he was writing this letter and writing these words, he was chained to a Roman soldier. We don't know that for sure, but we, we can surmise that that could have been a possibility. But at any rate, he draws upon the kind of uniform and the kind of equipment that a Roman soldier would have to say, hey, God has provided strength for you. God has, you've got an enemy, you're in a battle, but God has given you strength and the armor is the strength. The armor is the strength. So put on the armor that he has given you. And we've looked uh, each week at a different piece of, of that armor. We've, we've looked at the, the belt of truth. And then we've looked at the breastplate of righteousness. This morning what we want to look at uh, is the, the next piece here, the, the shoes uh, of readiness which is given by the gospel of peace. This is, these are shoes of readiness. Now what I want you to see this morning in specific application, uh, all of us are engaged in a spiritual warfare, uh, but this morning, mothers, what you need to understand is that motherhood itself is an act of spiritual warfare. We live in a culture in which Satan has, as we've talked about, Satan is orchestrating unbelievers, and he does that all the time. Uh, and one of the ways that Satan is orchestrating unbelievers in our culture uh, to oppose the things of God is to minimize uh, and to, to get people to reject motherhood. The world is encouraging you, women, uh, to see your strength and to, to be empowered, not, not simply to view yourselves as a, a princess, but as a strong woman who is intelligent and competent and, and who is able to do difficult things. And to all of that, I would say, amen. You are strong. You are intelligent. You are competent. You are not helpless and dependent upon other people. You are not weak. But the way that they are telling you to express that strength is is very much in a, a negative way, in a way that would oppose God. If empowerment, if empowerment means a rejection of the family union, unit, if it means a repudiation of biblical roles within marriage, uh, if it means the pursuit of sexuality apart from the covenant of marriage, if it means the murder of innocent unborn children, then what I would say to you is that is not empowerment but enslavement. And see, that's what the world is, is doing with, with womanhood and motherhood in particular. That's what Satan is. He's so distorted. He, he's a liar uh, from the beginning. Everything that he does is, is an act of, of, of lying. And this is what he does. He says, hey, you're strong. You, you need to be empowered. You need to demonstrate that strength. But let me show you how to do that. You do it by doing these things, which actually are uh, really bring about greater enslavement. The true freedom mothers, all of us. Satan does the same thing with all of us in different ways. He, he does. He, he tells you, look at this. This is freedom. This is what it is to, to be free. And, and what he's holding out is actually enslavement. And that's what he's doing for, for women and for mothers. What you need to know this morning, all of us, but mothers in particular, and that is that freedom is in Christ. In Christ and in following the Lord is where we find true freedom 
Paul says in Galatians 5, 1, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Jesus himself said in John 8, 34, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. If you follow what Satan holds out to you and says, this is the path that you should follow, mothers, women, this is what you should pursue. If you follow the path that Satan holds out for you, then you're actually, Jesus says, becoming a slave. Whoever practices sin is a slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, Jesus says. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. Satan's telling you, don't don't pursue this path because this path is slavery, and it's really the path of freedom. Mothers, this morning, don't think that it's empowerment to minimize or reject the great responsibility that God has given you toward your children and your family. Now, we know mothers and women, you are more than mothers. Your identity is not completely wrapped up in being a mother or being a spouse, being a wife. You are more than that, and and you're capable of more than that. But but what Satan wants you to do is to prove that capability in some ways by rejecting your role as mother and and as wife. You need to resist that. Moms, this morning, what I want to encourage you to do is view yourselves as strong gospel warriors in the life of your children. The the picture of warfare this morning and and of a warrior in some ways may seem disconnected from motherhood, but but it's actually very descriptive of what's going on in, in motherhood. Moms, you are at war with Satan. Motherhood is actually one of the hottest battles in this spiritual war in which we find ourselves engaged. This morning, I want you to see that the gospel actually equips you to enter into this battle. Moms, you need to get ready for this battle. All of us, we, we need to be ready for this battle. And, and one of the things that we need to do is put on our shoes. Now, this morning, I thought it was a little bit interesting uh, that on Mother's Day, we would be talking about shoes. No, nothing there. No, no laughs. At first, I thought, you know, a lot of mothers or, or some mothers really like shoes. That, so that's maybe a good connection there. I'm not getting any laughs, okay? So everybody's just looking at me. Whatever, okay? But then the more I thought about it, I'm like, you know, really, realistically, uh, the the better connection is this, that moms are always getting their kids ready. And what are you saying? Get ready. Put on your shoes. Put on your shoes. Where are they? I don't know where my shoes are. They're the last place you put them. When you take them off, I told you to put them in the basket by the door. Put on your shoes. All right. So maybe there's a loose connection there, uh, sort of a lighthearted uh, connection. But, but the reality is this morning, mothers, as you enter into this spiritual battle, in particular into, the, into this one front of the battle, which is motherhood, you need to be ready. You need to get ready. And in order to get ready, you need to put on the, the readiness of the gospel of peace. Now, the purpose of these shoes, these, these shoes that soldiers would wear, um, they, they were leather, they were made of leather, they were two to three inches thick on the bottom to protect the sole of your feet, but then they also had these metal like hobnails that would be kind of drilled into the bottom of, of those shoes so that 
so that you would have some footing, so that you would have some traction. The purpose of that, right, in, in part would be as the, as the opposing force is charging onto you, you can kind of dig in and you've got some almost like cleats that you can kind of dig into the dirt and stand and be ready to make your stand as the enemy comes against you. But there's also sort of a second purpose, and that is that sometimes as soldiers you had to make a stand. There were other times that you needed to charge forward. There were times when you were being victorious and you needed to be able to charge into enemy territory and you needed to have sure footing. That's the purpose of these shoes. What we want to see, the, the analogy that Paul is drawing from this is this. The gospel readies us, all of us, but mothers in particular, the gospel readies us to make our stand against the attacks of Satan and to boldly charge into the lives of our children with the message of peace. So first of all this morning, the gospel readies moms to stand. The gospel prepares you to stand against the attacks of Satan by giving you peace. What, what is the attack of Satan? There are different ways that Satan has attack, attacks mothers, uh, but one of the things that I think that we see so clearly uh, oftentimes is that moms, uh, that, that, that Satan will attack moms by, by seeking to keep you in a constant state of turmoil, of fear, and of anxiety. Are there any mothers here this morning who know what I'm talking about? You, you have children. You care about your children. You care deeply about your children. That's good. You ought to care deeply about your children. You ought to be concerned about them. But one of the things that Satan will do is play upon that good concern that you have and seek to spin it into anxiety and fear. It's easily distorted. And as you become anxious, as you begin to give in to those anxious thoughts and, and live in fear, you are being defeated by the enemy. This, I think, can be a particular danger. All of us, many of us, have struggles with anxiety and fear, but this can be a particular danger in motherhood. And the reason is that you mothers naturally so, so care for your children, right? You, you have such a deep concern for them and, and a love for them that it's easy for that to be distorted and turn into something that is actually sinful. The number uh, of women who deal with anxiety is great. It's great in, in our culture. I read an article this week uh, on WebMD uh, that said this. Uh, a recent study had been done. This is from 2017. It says the number of Americans who say they've taken an antidepressant over the past month rose by 65% between 1999 and 2014. A new, this, this is from a government sur uh, survey, the CDC. It says by 2014, about one in every eight Americans over the age of 12 reported recent antidepressant use. And I'm not here to, to speak to whether that's good or bad in and of itself, or whether it's right or wrong to take antidepressants. That's, that's not the purpose, but, but just to demonstrate the kind of anxiety that is at work in our culture, and in particular with our mothers, with our women. So this is what it goes on to say, women are nearly twice as likely, twice as likely as men to be taking the medications, the report found. With antidepressants used by 16.5% of females compared to just 9% of males. 
the Huffington Post had an article on this same uh, study that, that was done. Uh, and it looked at m multiple different reasons why that might be. Why, why is there a greater use of antidepressants among women uh, than there is uh, among men? And they gave multiple reasons. This isn't just a monolithic answer. But one of the things they said is this. Women are bearing the brunt of the emotional stressors around us. They're working, raising kids, trying to juggle all of these issues, getting all these things done, and they're more likely to reach out and ask for help. So many of our mothers are stressed. They're, they're dealing with anxiety and with fear. And what I think is this. I, I think that oftentimes that's rooted in and connected to their concern for children. As I said, this is often a normal concern. It, it grows out of something that's a natural affection. Like uh, to be a mother, as Jared just talked about from, from Isaiah, can a mother forget her child? Uh, and, and even the Lord points to the strong connection that mothers have with their children, right? And he's, he illustrates that's I have an even greater concern than that, the Lord says, for, for us. But, but what he's showing us here, he's drawing on something that's natural, uh, no matter what culture, no matter what time, it seems that mothers have such a strong bond and a concern for their children. And often, as I've said, I think that can develop and be played upon by Satan. You know, do you know that worry is a sin? Sometimes we say things like, well, it's an acceptable sin. We... we uh, even talk about it in, in acceptable terms, right? Well, I'm just kind of anxious, or, or sometimes people will say, I'm just a worrier, that's just the way that I am. But the Bible is clear that worry is actually a, a sin. It's the opposite of, of faith. When we see in Matthew chapter 6, where, where Jesus commands us, do not be anxious about your life. There's just a clear-cut command from our Savior that tells us don't, be anxious. He tells us, look at the, look at the grass of the field, uh, uh, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you? God clothes the grass of the field. And then he says this, O oh, you of little faith. Do you see the connection there? Anxiety and worry is the opposite of faith. That's a sin. Right? We, we ought to be those who are trusting in the Lord. And when we're not trusting in the Lord, we, we become anxious about these things. Uh, when, when I don't think that God is up to the task, when I don't feel like God is going to do what He ought to do, that's when I begin to worry. I've got to take matters into my own hand. I've got to make sure that things turn out because I can't trust God to do this. And Jesus said, don't be anxious. Trust the Lord. If He clothes the grass... He'll clothe you. If he cares for these birds of the air, then he will care for you. Not only that, worry is, is also a sin because it takes the good things of creation and, and really makes them ultimate. In that passage in Matthew and, and also in Luke, it's interesting that, that right before Jesus goes into dealing with anxiety, he warns us. This is what he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. And he tells us also that you cannot serve two masters. It's that passage, and it's immediately following that that he goes in, don't be anxious. Why is that? Because anxiety is tied to the fact uh, that, that we are laying up treasures on earth. Anxiety is tied to the fact that I've got to have this thing. 
and, and when I've got to have this thing, then I'm going to be worried because I'm concerned trying to get it. I want to get it, and, and that causes anxiety. Or I've got it. I finally got it, but I don't want to lose it. And so I've got to anxiously hold on to it. Anxiety comes as we begin to treasure other things more than we treasure the Lord. When, when this becomes my master, when this is my identity, when this is what I live for, I've got to have it. Anxiety is right behind that. Okay? And so when we begin to treasure the Lord, trust the Lord, anxiety will begin to melt away. Now, have you ever said this, mothers, or maybe heard other people say it? And you say, yeah, that's, that's I agree with that. These kids are my life. They're my heart. They, right? Is, is that true to the degree that you love them? If, if you're just simply trying to express how great of a love that you have for your children, that's a good thing. But if you really mean that my life ultimately consists in the well-being of my children, then you are laying up treasures on this earth. As good as children are, as much as you should love them, you cannot find your identity in your children. If you put all of that identity and, and all of your worth and all of your value and you tie it up into your children, you are going to be on antidepressants. You are going to be an anxious person. You need to put your identity, you need to find your identity in Christ. But one of the other reasons that worry is a sin is this, that worry focuses our minds on the things of this earth. The mind is such a, 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 a crucial part of this war that we're involved in with Satan. And in fact, Paul tells us that we are transformed, we're changed in the Christian life by what? The renewing of your mind. Colossians 3, 2, Paul tells us, set your mind on things that are above, not on things on this earth, not even on your children in an ultimate kind of way. And we see this connection as well in Philippians chapter 4. Paul says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Don't be anxious, instead pray. Do you see how faith there is the opposite of anxiety as well. Don't be anxious, pray. Bring it to the Lord because you trust the Lord. And when you trust the Lord, anxiety levels begin to go down. But then he goes on to say this, the, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then he transitions and says this, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is uh, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Again, the connection between anxiety and what you're thinking about goes hand in hand. Because when you are anxious, this is what you're doing. You're playing this over in your mind again. How can I get that? I really want to have that. That Man, I really want my children to be able to do this. I want them to excel. Man, I really hope they're making the right choices. And you are consumed in your thoughts about your child or whatever else that you're anxious about. He says, don't be anxious. Instead, what you need to do is fill your mind with things that are good with things that are true, with things that are excellent. What you think about matters. And if you sit around all day and worry, 
That's a sin. You need to be filling your mind with good things. Anxiety involves the focusing of our minds on some earthly possession or relationship that we fret over, uh, whether it's fretting over how we're going to get it or how we're going to keep it. So moms, that's the attack of Satan. Find your identity in your children. And once, once you can make that transition, once you switch your identity from I'm finding my identity in the Lord, I'm trusting in the Lord, I'm seeking to please the Lord, to I'm worried about my kids, my identity is tied up in them. Are they successful? Are they happy? Are things going well in their life? Once you hitch your wagon to that, uh, to, to that uh, the reality is Satan is just going to take you on a roller coaster. Because today your kids will be doing okay, and tomorrow they won't be. Today they'll be making good decisions, and tomorrow they won't. And five years from now, they may or may not be. Do you see how you're always going to be on a roller coaster? You're never going to have peace that is secure as long as you're tied to your children. But if you find your identity in the Lord, if you trust the Lord, if your mind is set on the Lord, then whatever happens with your children up and down, you're going to be able to deal with it. Does it mean you won't be concerned? Absolutely not. Does it mean that you don't care about your children? Absolutely not. It just means this, my ultimate identity, what I'm trusting in, what I'm living for is not my children. And it gives you a great freedom. Notice even in Ephesians, what is this called again? As shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The gospel brings peace into your life. And if the gospel hasn't brought peace in your life, there's something wrong there. Like if you're living in constant anxiety and turmoil, if you are not at peace, there, there's some disconnect that is happening there. The gospel gives us peace because it, it gives us peace with God. Ephesians 1.13 says it's the gospel of our salvation, and it talks about the inheritance that we have. Uh, in Ephesians 3, 6, it, it's the gospel that, that tells us that we belong to God's people and that all of the promises of God, because we are God's people, belong to us. And it's because of those realities, I have these gospel promises. The Lord loves me. He's my Father. He cares for me. All of the promises of God come to me through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's because I have those promises that I can be at peace. It's a gospel of peace. It brings peace with our fellow man, but it also brings peace with God. Because I have peace with God, that means I can parent from a place of security. Right? If, I'm, if all of my identity is wrapped up in my children, I'm, I'm going to be a very desperate person. And you see parents who, who are this way. Right? They're, they're always trying to distort things, always trying to turn things, to try to get things right for their children. If they're, they're trying to get the world ready for their children instead of trying to get the world, uh, get their children ready for the world. If you need your children to be healthy, obedient, good, successful, to date the right person, to marry the right person, to make all the right decisions in order to feel okay, you're going to crush them. You're going to crush them and you're going to crush yourself because you're going to be in a constant state of turmoil. Peace from God is a peace that doesn't change. It's a peace that surpasses understanding. Because things can be upside down in your life. Your children can be making all the wrong decisions. They can be headed in all the wrong directions. But if your peace comes from the Lord, it's a peace that won't change. 
this week as Jared prayed, I've, I've actually seen this on display this week. We've seen it on display in, in our church. As we've seen really three mothers who have endured great trials even this week. And there are so many people in the world whose identity is wrapped up in their children that would have been a wreck. They would have been turned upside down. But I saw with Pam and, and Alexa uh, and, and with Crystal, I saw mothers whose, whose peace was rooted in the gospel. Their peace was rooted in the Lord. And they were able to endure sudden, surprising, and difficult trials because they were anchored to the Lord and not just anchored to their children. What a testimony to God's grace in their life. And what a testimony for us. Sometimes we think, I could never go through something like that. But when you see God's grace at work in other people's lives, you see that God would provide for me just like he provided for them. Because I have peace with God, I can trust my children to the Heavenly Father. Because I have peace with God, I can trust my children to the Heavenly Father. Let me ask you a question this morning, moms. I know some of you moms are very hesitant, especially first mothers. You're, you're very hesitant to leave your children with anyone else, sometimes even grandparents. It's always funny, I think, that the people who raised you, you don't trust sometimes to, to take care of your children. Like, they, they did okay with you. Your kids will probably be okay as well. Uh, they usually are. Uh, but, but that's, that's some of that motherly care coming out, right? You're so concerned about your children. We, we, we get that, right? And that's a good thing. But let me ask you this morning, can you trust your children to God? Can you trust your children to God? Say, I don't want to leave my children with anybody else. I want to be there with them. I want to take care of them. Can you trust your children to God? Another way of maybe asking that question is, is this. Are you a better parent than God? Do you care for your children more than God cares for them? Sometimes I think when we try to hold on to our children, we try to make everything right for them and take care of them and, and, and just distort everything in life just to make sure that they're happy and everything's going well. What that conveys really is we think, I, I can do this better than God. God, leave me. I don't need to pray. I don't need to entrust them to you. I can take care of them, right? But we need to have faith. We need to trust our children to the Lord. The gospel helps us be able to. To do that. And then this morning, the second thing that we see is this the gospel readies you not only to stand against the attacks of Satan, but it readies you to charge into the battle. Specifically, mothers, the gospel prepares you, it readies you to charge into the life of your children with the gospel, to take the gospel to them. Part of, you see, part of the battle is not just a defensive stance, like get ready, Satan's coming, and you've got to stand against him. Part of what we're going to see in some of this other, uh, the, these other uh, pieces of armor is, is this, that we are called to take the gospel out, that we are supposed to go on the offensive. We are supposed to move the kingdom of God forward. O'Brien says this, Peter O'Brien, in his commentary on Ephesians, he says those who have appropriated the peace, this peace for themselves have their feet fitted with this readiness, a preparedness to announce the gospel of peace. You see, this readiness that the gospel gives us is not just a readiness to stand, but a readiness to charge. 
This is actually picking up from a couple of passages. One is Isaiah 52. I think there's a connection between Isaiah 52 and Romans 10 and, and this idea of the, the readiness given by the gospel. Isaiah 52, 7 says this, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. This is the picture of someone who's a messenger and they're running to bring a message of good news. They're running to the army to, to bring news uh, that, that the battle has been won. There's victory. And so they're running as a messenger to bring this. And, and, and the writer Isaiah is saying, when, when somebody brings you good news and they run to bring you good news, something that is normally ugly and that is not appealing, somebody's feet, their feet are beautiful because they're bringing you this good news news. It's the good news of peace. Paul picks up on that in Romans chapter 10 and he says in Romans 10 14, how then will they call upon him in whom they have not believed and how are they to believe in him in whom they have not heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching? People are not going to believe the gospel unless we run out with this message. In fact, that's what he does. He quotes from Isaiah and how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So Paul picks up on this metaphor of using your feet to carry the gospel message to those who need to hear it. And I think that's what he's picking up here. What is this readiness that's given to us by the gospel? Well, it's a readiness to stand, but it's also a readiness to go and take the gospel to those who need it. Mothers, what you need to understand this morning is that your children are held in captivity. Your children are in bondage. Everything that we read in Ephesians chapter 2 uh, about the state of those who are unbelievers, those things are true about your children. Uh, when, when it tells us that, that, that they are uh, dead in their trespasses and sins, when Paul tells us in Corinthians uh, that the God of this age has blinded their minds, what we need to be understand is that's our children apart from Christ. They're in bondage. They're in captivity. And so it is our job as parents and as mothers in particular to run, to be ready to take the gospel into their life. They need to be set free. And what a shame it is when we as parents... Stand idly by. I can just imagine if you knew that your child was in danger, how, how quickly you would run. I, I've seen some of those experiences. You ever seen a, a child that's about ready to fall over? And how quick does a mom run to get there? Like she, the child's climbing up the slide at the park and he begins to, to wobble a little bit. And mom looks like all of a sudden she's Usain Bolt, right? Running across uh, the, the playground and there she is in an instant. Well, listen, your children are in spiritual captivity. They're in darkness and we need to run with the gospel into their lives. Let me move quickly. We, we, we can advance the gospel into the lives of our children in, in a few specific ways. Uh, one, we can advance it in their sin and mistakes. Mothers, there, there's two ways you can help your child see the gospel, and you need both of these. It's law and grace. You need to help them understand that when they sin, when they do something wrong, the problem is not just that they have sinned against you, that they've disobeyed your rule, but that they've disobeyed God. 
and you need to help them see what is right and what is wrong. But you need to also help them know grace. And I think what we find in parenting is that most of us tend to be unbalanced in one direction or the other, right? Some of us are very good disciplinarians, and we are very good at setting the law down and teaching our kids right and wrong, but we really stink at helping them know grace and forgiveness. We really stink at helping them understand that if you mess up, you can be forgiven by God. And so we need both of those. That's one way that you can help advance the gospel into your children's life. Help them see the truth and what is right and wrong, but help them understand that their God is a loving, a forgiving, and a merciful God. Secondly, we can advance the gospel into the lives of our children in their suffering. In their suffering. And that is this. We, we can advance uh, at times of, of suffering. You know, your children are going to go through disappointment. As, as much as you don't want them to, as much as you want to be there every time they need their bottom wiped and every time they need a, a squirt of hand sanitizer and every time they need to be reminded to brush their teeth and every time there's something that could threaten their happiness or their peace, as much as you want to do everything for them, mothers, you know what the reality is? You can't do it all. Your children are going to face heartache. They're going to face discouragement. They're going to face disappointment, one of the best things that you can do is not just shelter them from all of that discouragement and disappointment and heartache, but help give them the gospel of peace in the midst of that. When you can help them see the, the truth that, that God is at work making all things right and, and bringing order out of our chaos, you will equip them to be able to stand in that suffering. Their disappointments may be small. It may be the fact that they don't make the basketball team or they don't get good grades or some, some small struggle. Or their disappointment may be greater. It may be some kind of illness or, or, or later in life some kind of disappointment in, in, in marriage. But the reality is we need to prepare our children by giving them the gospel of peace. If they are suffering, you can carry the gospel into their life like a torch or you can hide it under a bushel, under a basket, by your response. What I hope you see this morning is that motherhood is, is warfare. Moms, you're, care, you're, you're called to be at war in this. And you need to get ready by putting on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the gospel of peace. We, we thank you that we can be made right with you through your son Jesus Christ. We thank you that you've prepared us to be able to stand against the attacks of Satan. This morning, Lord, we do want to lift up our mothers specifically and pray that you would help them rest in you, find their identity in you. We pray that you would raise up a, a generation of gospel warriors, of mothers who will boldly, Lord, in, in various different kinds of circumstances, run into the lives of their children with the gospel of peace. Help us, Lord, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.